For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Folks, welcome back to the uh, Anthony Gordon Show. We have a, once again, a very special guest. It's not every single day that one can, one can say that we sh one's sharing a studio with a world champion, not once, not twice, but four times over. So Brian Valoria is not only a boxing champ, he is a world champ of a human being in the short time that I've had the privilege of speaking, getting to know Brian. Just so that um, the listeners know, um, we've sort of become an extended family, so we will be completely transparent. Brian was introduced to me by one of our previous guests and someone who's become actually a good friend, Chris van Heerden, who is um, a former world champion himself. Brian is had an incredibly successful, broad life and career. And not only is he a man uh, you know, with big muscles, he's a man with a big heart. And I think the, 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 just to place our discussion in context, Brian, if you would just share with us a little about your formative years. You were born in Hawaii. Your journey to sort of from the time, you know, from the time of your humble beginnings to deciding, you know what, I might have a calling to be a professional boxer. Do you want to give us some sense of that journey? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, thank you, Anthony, for um for bringing me on the show. Um, you know, Chris is a great friend of mine also, and um, you know, just happy to be on his journey with him towards another world title. Um, sure. I was uh my my parents were originally from the Philippines. Um, they migrated to Hawaii to start you know all that uh brand new life. You know that the. Uh, the uh, American dream yeah. they were trying to chase, and I was born in Hawaii, um, in Oahu, right. Oahu, um, the main island. And um, uh, when I was nine years old, not nine, nine years old, nine months old, I was uh, I relocated back to the Philippines um, for a short while while my dad was still, well, my dad and my mom was still trying to get their visas and trying to get their situation right. in, um, you know, in America um, settled. And so I was actually raised for the first five years of my life in the Philippines with my grandparents and my paternal grandparents. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, uh, after five years, I flew back to Hawaii when everything was set and settled and started school. And, um, you know, it was re getting reacquainted to learning how a uh, different language because wow. I was, you know, Filipino and Il Ilocano, which is a dialect in the Philippines, okay. was my first language. And I had to learn english and unbelievable and um at that time you know it was it was difficult for me to make the little transition but um at that time too my father introduced me to boxing um i was doing different sports you know how the kids today they do soccer and football how how old were you roughly at the time i was like five or six years okay. old between five and six years old i was already going to the gym um before that i was in uh i was doing judo 
um, for like a six, six, seven months. And then Amazing. my dad introduced me to boxing gym that was in my hometown. Um, uh, that boxing gym, um, also had world champions that was already, um, coming out of that. And it was, uh, Andy Gannigan sure. back in the 1970s who fought, who was a world champion. Yeah. Um, Jesus Salud was also oh, a world sure. champion. Um, so those guys were my mentors. They were the ones that helped, you know, uh, um, teach paved, me boxing. Paved the way. Yeah. yeah. Paved the way. El Silva was the trainer. Um, he was like, uh, you know, a Portuguese man from, sure. um, uh, that was there that, that was helping everybody. And that's just how I grew up. And Hawaii, um, became, you know, a place for me to uh, learn how to fight, learn how to box. So it's, you've touched on some amazing things. Uh, I think part of what I'm trying to do is to, is try to be a good listener and trying to pick up some of the things that you sort of didn't even say. And that is the following. So firstly, you touched on the Philippines. Some of the, the listeners know that I had the honor of working closely with Manny Pacquiao, mm-hmm. um, more in the context of some of his sort of sponsorship branding, um, six, seven years ago, obviously one of the more prominent and arguably one of the best known boxers out of the United States. What, what I just sort of saw Philippines, I see professional boxer. Did you have any dealings with Manny, any connection with Manny, any, any personal or professional, uh, just, uh, it would help us sort of get a sense of, of the context. Um, you know, after all the Olympics, I moved out here to LA, um, um, you know, I went to school in Michigan. Um, after all that, my amateur career was done. You know, um, I moved out here to LA. I was introduced to, uh, the wild card and Freddie Roach. Yep. Uh, this is early 2000, uh, 2001. And, um, at that time, I already had a few fights under my belt. I did my pro debut in Hawaii. Um, I was getting, uh, promoted by Lou DiBella at that time. And, uh, I was training at the wild card one day and, um, I remember hitting the bags and Freddie Roach tapping in my shoulder and he uh-huh. pointed to a guy who was in the, who was in the ring, shot of boxing. And he said, Brian, take a look at this guy right here. They asked me to train him. And I looked over and it was this skinny kid, um, roughly 120, 122, 125 pounds. And just by himself in the ring, by himself in the ring. And, you know, Freddie was like, what do you think? Uh, should I, should I train him? <laughs> and at that time, we didn't know. I was like, "What's his name? His name is uh, Manny." Um, you know, That's couldn't pronounce his <laughs> last name, so he didn't even try. You know, his name is Manny, and he's from the Philippines. And he has a big fight coming up, and that was presented to him. And he's fighting Led Waba, and I was like, "Led Waba." Yeah, he was like the he was the demigod. Yeah, he. You know, everyone was avoiding Led Waba at that point. He was this IBF world champion, and. And he was, you know, his fight fell out and they were looking for a replacement. And the replacement was Manny Pacquiao. And, you know, I told Freddie, like, hey, you know, he just has to work on his defense a little bit because that thing was just just foot movement and just all offense. All offense, okay. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'll think about it. And he walked away. And, you know, we all know what happens after that. He goes to uh, Vegas and knocks out Ladwaba. And just fight after fight, he was just beating the legends. He would fight Morales, and then he would fight, um, um, you know, Barrera, Unstoppable. You know, Marquez, and he was just going down the line and just starts knocking everybody out. And 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 the growth and just seeing 
from one person that was with Manny to a packed gym of 120 people just wanting to see Manny. I just, I was there wow. every step of the way. And I, and I saw that whole, the whole Pacquiao um, um, mania happen. What, did that I, impact you personally? You're, you're, you know, when you see a guy come from anonymity to, I mean, world fame, and obviously you've got a God-given talent. Did that impact you saying, you know what, I could do this as well? We we were um I remember you know that those early stages um man yeah I were you know we we're great friends we we're real close um he would come over to my apartment one time yeah. a few times having poker nights right? it was just the thing sure. that we did back then uh, uh Thursdays was poker night you know Freddie would be there also and we'll have it in my apartment just hanging it was just hanging out you know it was just nobody who knew who he was so people didn't yeah, really um <clears throat> you know but it was it was interesting to see. And be there, you know, on ground zero. I can imagine. Having everything just, you know, and to me, it was just Manny. And everyone yeah. was like, oh, my God, this is. But for me, it was like, I think it, the way it affected me was that, um, you know, Freddie was starting to get a lot busier. Uh-huh. Um, you know, at that point, Oscar De La Hoya wanted to train with him. Um, yeah, so it was just everybody was just calling him. And, I, and for me, I felt like I got pushed back. And it wasn't, I was hard to find, um, um, one-on-one time with Freddie already at that time. Cause it's just, his band was, he was just so, he was just pulled in every single direction. Yeah. And, got it. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I had to find another situation, training situation for me. And sure. after I, 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 you know, I transitioned over Roberto Garcia where I trained yep. for a few years and won another world title with him. And so. You know, it was give and take. Uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was just the experience there and being able to see that firsthand was amazing to me. Amazing. So, just I want to touch on on some of the sort of the seminal things in your life before mm-hmm. before some of the lessons that I think we can learn from someone like yourself who's overcome a lot of adversity. And I mean, there are very very few people in the world that can claim to be you know a world champion in in four occasions in different and sort of different weight divisions. And that is. It's a dream of not thousands, tens of thousands of people listening right now to represent the United States at the Olympics. How did that feel? That was a, that was a dream for me at um, eight years old when I saw the '88 Olympics on TV, mm-hmm. and I was already, you know, I had a few fights already under my belt. You know, when I saw that on TV, I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. That feeling of representing your country to be able to walk and opening the the parade of nations, um, to be able to represent, you know, uh, um, your nation on that stage. Sure, the highest world stage. It appealed to me already at that young age. And I really want, I was, that was what was pushing me to go to the gym almost every single day while my other friends were going out to parties and, yeah, and hanging out with their friends. And I was always, you know, in the gym, right after school, I would walk straight from my school to the gym, do my homework in the ring. I would take naps in the ring That's and, and wake up. I'll be the first one in there and I'll be the last one out when the gym was closing. And it became my second home. It became my sanctuary because that dream was, was, was something that was burning so deep in my heart that I wanted to do. You know, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Brian. And the reason why I'm smiling and I'm so glad that you are relaying this we didn't script this obviously no. this is is because one of the themes of one of the, the messages that i'm it's important that i i'm trying to impart on the show is that 
there is nothing that's worthwhile in this world that comes without a lot of work, blood, sweat, and tears. A lot of sacrifice. I don't see a store down the road saying, if you want to be a world champion, just line up here and you get it. it. So talk a little bit about this because one of the things that I'm trying to impart is that this is a generation that's struggling with instantaneous gratification, that they want it now, they want to take shortcuts, um, technology enables responses within seconds, and what that's happened, what that's caused in a lot of people's psyche is a quick fix. It, life doesn't work that. It doesn't. Um, you have to put in the hard work. And I already knew, you know, if I wanted to reach that goal, I had to, it wouldn't come without a price, you know, and I knew the sacrifices I, I needed in my life already at that age I had to, I had to give it up. I had to give up whether it be me hanging out with friends or experiencing the things that I wanted to do as a kid or as a teenager, opposed to putting the work I needed to do to, to go to my, you know, to reach my goals. And I already knew that. And there was times where like, uh, I would, I would sit in my room like, is, is this, is this worth it? Like, I don't even know if I'm going to go to the Olympics. Like, what am I, is this, but I knew deep down, I, I, if I knew that I, I was going to sacrifice those things, missing out on parties, missing out on, on going to, going to recitals or going to, right. you know, to the prom. Like I missed my prom, <laughs> a lot of it, you know, it was just, Things like that, like the I, things I, that make I you kid, it. and the things that you remember, you know. And I, I had to, I had to sacrifice something because I was going overseas, fighting in the nationals, going to Colorado, sure. um, you know, going to the nationals and 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 the states, and, and just everything about me and my preparation ate up a lot of my time. So now you look back, Brian, and you say, "Was it worth it?" Yeah. There's no question, right? There's no question. It was something that I wanted to do as a kid, and it, and and you know it it everything that I achieved, I understood why. You know, sure. Now that I was like, man, it wasn't. You know, it was really worth going through this. So you said an amazing thing. Uh, I often ask people when I speak at different seminars on public, mm -hmm. what's the opposite? What's the opposite of pain? And almost to a fault instantaneously people scream out comfort and i think that that's one of the problems of this of of you know the the, the message that we all are embracing because the opposite of pain is no pain i think that pain is really the price that people have to pay for greatness mm -hmm. how can you ever become a world champion be an olympian what, whatever is the personal dreams of our listeners Without having the discipline, without taking the road less travel, without disappointment, I don't think that the there's anyone that our listeners would want to meet who would be a mentor, someone that they want to spend time with, that hasn't overcome huge things and hasn't put in the work. It just there's no there's no shortcut. And I think a lot of it is has to do with fear. Interesting. Uh, what do you mean by that? The fear of 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 failure. You know, the fear of not being able to reach the things that you set yourself out to. I think that that crutches a lot of people Very in wanting to do what they really want to do, you know? And I think that, um, you know, at that young age, I didn't care if I failed or not. I just wanted to go through the experience. Amazing. Um, the experience of, 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 of 
you know, facing the biggest obstacles. And I wanted to do that. I didn't care if I failed or not. That wasn't, right. that wasn't what was motivating. I really wanted to go in there and just be there. And I felt more alive than being in the ring and winning. And whether it be a win or a loss, I didn't care. I just wanted to be being in the, there and enjoy the moment. And so that's amazing. So I, I, one of the things that I, I try and do in the show is to make sure that the message that the people that we speak to impart somehow spills out of just the mere discipline of a professional boxing or, uh, you know, we've had fa- very well-known um, actors, actresses. So the question in your case would be the following, Brian. You are now training people. You've had an incredibly successful life as a professional boxer and one of the quotes i read when i was preparing for the show is that you you've accumulated a lot of sort of mental notes on how to prepare a boxer do you think some of the lessons or some of the 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 directions that you share with your clients can be the kind of lessons that you can share with people about life in general of how how to to, i'd be interested to know what, what what uh what you mean by that and some of the la- the lessons? A lot of the mantra that I, I try to take to the gym with me and try to transfer over to my, um, you know, to the guys that I train, to all the fighters is, is very e- um, is simplicity. I try to say, guys, don't complicate things too much. There's only a certain way of my, ways of way, you know, ways to oh, throw really? a punch. That's great. And I, I tell them, keep it simple. It's simple. The basic fundamentals, if you master those correctly, should be enough for you to win a world title. Okay, so that's fantastic. Let's relate that to life. So if a person's saying, okay, Anthony's got this guy, Brian, in the show. I've got to listen to this guy. He's been a world champion four occasions. He's telling me, keep it simple. In the broader picture of life, um, sort of life tools, can you explain what you, how, how that can help someone in their life in general? Meaning that they shouldn't complicate their lives. They shouldn't overthink things. They, they shouldn't. For instance, um, I like, I like that, that, that saying is like, if you can hand, if you can help the situation, you know, why would you worry about that? If you can't help it, why would you, you worry would about that? Yeah. You know, I, I was like, if you can help the situation that you're in, the problems, then go ahead and fix it. And if not, and if not, why kill yourself over it? Yeah, and that's, and and it, that, that's simple. You no, know, it's, it's a, that's the serenity prayer. It's, yeah. it's absolutely beautiful. And it's, exactly, and I, you know, I like that. You know, just having that mentality. Um, you know, from boxing, I was like, you gotta gotta keep it simple, guys. And I told the guys, you know, in the gym, I was like, you gotta keep it simple. Well, what are the guys doing in the gym when you say that same that that? Um, you know, are they complicating things? They're overthinking. What are they doing that cause you to say, "Hey, guys, come on, man, just, just keep it simple." Um, you know, things like, for instance, like, um, you know, I gotta, I gotta do two, through two, three minutes because in the fight, or, you know, you gotta go this way or that way. You gotta throw these type of combinations and yeah. make sure that I, I know how. To, like, in reality, does it really happen that way yeah. in a fight? I got it. I got it. There's simple things like you gotta keep yourself in shape. Yep. You know, do your running and make sure that you're not doing the bad habits and try to keep your, you know, the thing and minimize um, some some bad habits. And that's it, right? You don't got to do this and that and and am I doing 
five or three miles and um, should I be doing, you know, cryotherapy or doing yeah. this and that and, you know, should I be eating these type of things? And like, listen, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> my trick and why I stayed was that, you know, um, at the certain weight, because I was a, a flyweight even back when I was a, an amateur to what my whole, my whole um, career as a pro. Like, I didn't go on a keto diet. I didn't go on... <laughs> On all these yeah. types of diet for me to keep on, all he did was just, you know, um, um, minimalized everything. Yeah. Just, um, like yeah, just, just eat right, you know. And I, and and what you're saying when I speak to a lot of the younger generation, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of clutter. There's, there's a lot. It just, you know, keep your priorities. It come down at the end of the day. The, the basics, family, health. Um, not being overly concerned of what people think of you. You cannot control other people's thoughts and you cannot control what's going to happen in the future. Right. You've got, you, you know, what, what you can control, as you said, you do. And if you don't, you know. Yeah. You got to let it go. I mean, uh, you can't kill yourself over certain situations. Um, um, you know, in, for the training, a lot of people just, just they worry so much about yeah. what will happen if I don't do this and what will happen if I lose this fight or what, what would happen if, you know, and I'm like, listen, you just got to take care of the things that's in front of you right now. That's very true. You know, take care of that and everything else will take care of itself. It's beautiful that because I, I, one of the the life tools that I've developed and try and impart to help people is what's the next best? What's the, what can I do now? And that's the only thing I can control. It's, that's it. Everything else after that, you really can't, you can't, you know, you can't really help. You know, if everything doesn't go right for you or if everything does go right, right. for you, then it's awesome. But oh, you can't really worry about everything else that's, you know, that's really out of your reach. 100%. You know, you although although one, of, one of the things I, I see with people is that often people in life replay a scene or replay a, a thing that they said or did and they torture themselves about I could have, would have, should have. Do you ever find yourself driving your car, working in the gym and replaying the fight with with uh, with Artem Delakin, if I'm pronouncing his name right. I mean, Brian, you were a, an Olympian, world champion, uh, light flyweight, flyweight. You were, um, what you were, and you are very respected role model in the in in the boxing world. Does that do you replay that scene where you're really? potentially uh, could have got a fifth world title and say, geez, I want to cut that scene out of my life. Why could, does that ever plague you? Or it's just, that's part of the journey of life. You win some, you lose some, you can't. You said it, it's right on the nose. That's part of the journey of life. Um, you know, anything can happen. I, you know, there's a lot of things that in my life was like, oh, if it, if it went that way just a tad bit, it would have gone an entirely different direction. You know, um, one of the big ones was when I um, when I fought for my first world title. Yep, you know, and that was against against uh, Eric Ortiz. Okay, and th the fight before that, um, um, Ruben Contreras, I almost, you know, he was in a coma. Yeah, for, no, I saw that. Um, the he had yeah brain hemorrhage. He put him in a medically induced coma. They didn't know how he was going to come out of out of that, and. I remember that span of six months was a, was almost a, a fork in the road for me. 
And I told my management, I told my family, if this guy doesn't make it out okay, I'm done. Wow. You know, that's it for me. I was like 13 fights in as a pro. Um, I was already ranked the top 10 on the WBC. And so he, you know, it was, it was a, it was a tragic, horrific act, you know, mm. time. Um, I remember that fight. I caught him in the uppercut. It was just blood just relentlessly coming out of his nose. As you connected, did you, uh, yeah. did you realize? I, I kind of knew something was wrong. And when he didn't come out for the sixth round, he stood on the stool and he quit on the stool, um, which I think saved his life. Had he come out, it would have been oh, a God. totally different story. I think uh, he knew something was wrong. He walked out of the ring, um, collapsed right before the, the locker room and started having seizures. Luckily, the uh, the the hospital was just a few blocks away. This was in Staples Center. Um, what year was this? It was back in 2005. And yeah, 14 years ago, yeah. 13 years ago. And so uh, I think that saved his life. The, uh, uh, the closeness of the hospital, the, um, the way he stopped, he stopped the fight on his own. It wasn't even like the referee stood in or this cornerman. He just knew something was wrong, you know, collapsed and was rushed to the hospital. Um, I was still in the shower when I got the news that he was rushed to the hospital. I came out and my manager was like, Brian, sit down. Um, your opponent just was rushed to the hospital. He had a seizure outside. Um, you know, we're going to keep you informed as to oh. how everything was going. What really messed me up was him, visiting him and um, meeting his family um, and seeing his kids, his mom, his wife. This is not This is not just a boxing opponent. This is a human being. It's, this it's, is a family. This is a context. I was never in a sport to do that. You know, and it as well, I can see it really, I, I had sleepless nights after that. Kept checking in to see how his his uh, his status was, and they induced a coma, correct? Yeah, they had to. His brain just swelled up. It swelled up. You had to take a piece of his brain, um, his skull out, and I guess let the swelling go down. Right. Um, didn't know how he was gonna come out. You know, out of that induced coma, um whether he's going to be coherent or whether he's going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life. You know, it was just at that point, it was, everything was just up in the air. It mm -hmm. was a total, you know, question. Um, and so I, you know, I talked to my family and everyone's trying to comfort me. And they were saying, you know, this it was not your fault. This is I mean, kind of not. You're just doing what the sports, uh, you know, is basically right. telling you to do. You know, but the family being there, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. That really, that you know, kind of, you know, you know, it, it, struck, it, 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 struck, it struck me hard. It really struck me hard. And I was like telling him, you know, this is, this doesn't go right. I'm done. I cannot be, I cannot, I don't think I could ever step back in that ring. And, and, uh, Jeez. you know, all of that happened. Um, and then he came, um, you know, it was a long, it was a few months past and he, he came out of it, of course. Um, you know, then he kept, he went through rehab. He had to learn how to walk again. Um, went through all of that. And next thing you know, you know, he, he said, he gave me the blessings, like, you know, go and chase your dreams. Wow. And he that must said, have been a pretty heavy time in your life. It was, it was, it, it was like a big lift on my shoulder. Uh, I can big, imagine. Big weight off, uh, weight on my shoulder that was lifted right off. And he said, go ahead, go chase your dreams. Um, I'm 100% behind you, you know. That's and, unbelievable. And, and it's also, by the way, Brian, I can see that the, the listeners can't see. I mean, obviously, if you could 
show this on video, they would see you're an emotional guy, you're an intense guy, that you're, you're, uh, there are many people who could justify and rationalize, hey, the price you pay in the sport of boxing is there is a chance that the, your opponent it can, God forbid, be brain damaged or that's, you know, that's the price that people, but it's not the way you roll. And obviously, you know, you're a person who's... It's a hurt game, but you just never want to take somebody's, you know, sure. loved ones away from them. It's, it's, it's a sport. And at the end of the day, you, you, you hope and you pray that your, 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 your pony goes home safely to his family also, the, the same way you do it. Dude. How did that end? So after he came around, went through rehab. Went through rehab and my fight, my next fight was for the world title. Um, was your, was, was the burden lifted? At it was point? lifted. It was lifted. Um, the intensity of my training, I was just, before then was just me in the gym, just going through the motions <clears throat> and, you know, didn't know whether it was going to continue in my life. You know, it was just, Jeez. you know, I couldn't, I couldn't look in the mirror. I couldn't, I was like, I, you know, how long I'm, was, how long was it from the time that he, that, that he had the, that seizure and drop before the, the change room till the time he gave you the blessing to go. It was like three to four months. Jeez, it's a long time to be to be saddled with that burden. Yeah, it was it was three or four months until. Oh, you mean from the moment that he went dropped into till the time that he came out and you knew that he was going to be okay. It was like a month. So it's like a month or two months. Lo- it must have been a long, a long period in your life. It was. It was the longest. It was the longest month, month and a half in my life. Jeez, to, tell, I, to, uh, to, to be like in the abyss and you know, like not knowing, and. You know, it was just, he was still in the hospital for a while. Um, I, want, but, I want to move on and talk about how, the world championship, just, just as a side, because I know the listeners were, would probably be thinking, what's happened to him today? What's, you know, what's, I, I, um, obviously you lose touch with people. Yeah, but. I mean, that was 13 years ago. Yeah, so that's 14 years ago. a lot of water under the bridge. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I'll, I'll check back. I'll see if I could find, you know, what where his whereabouts at. Yeah, I know he's in Mexico. But as far as you know, he's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, he went back to work. You know, he's doing all that. You know, he's with his family, and he's That's in terms of brain, whatever. He's he's fine. He's fine. He was there ringside on my world championship fight. Oh, was he? He was there ringside. I That's, gave him a hug. That's very touching. Almost, uh, I welled up, and I kind of had to pull, pull myself back and like, listen, you're gonna go be in the ring right now fighting for a world title. So you better get your wow, pull yourself, get yourself together. But that's yeah. But, but that's a, a a a moment. Tell us about the, the the first title that you won. Just the 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 way it came down and the way you felt. It lasted one round. Um, yes, yeah, so I saw in the reading it wasn't exactly. I was I was very motivated already. At you that must point. be pumped. I was just super pumped. Everything was just good now, and it was great. And How old were you at the time? I was twenty five. Yeah, I was twenty five, twenty four, twenty five years old. Was and your family? They were all there. What it is it? I want I want you to walk us through that round, but. What does it do for you, knowing your loved ones are, you know, a few rows away from the ring? Are you self-conscious? You're aware that they're there, or are you just in another? Are you in the zone? You're in the zone. Yeah, you're in the zone. It's almost as if you're like nobody's there but you and the, and your opponent. That's how focused you are. It comes with the training. You know, the the, the intensity of my training was just through the roof. It was. You it was felt constant. when when you when you went when the bell went for that first round, will champ. Did you feel that you have got, that you have everything that it takes to be world champion? I did, I did. You have to. Oh, that's true. You know, you can't go in there not knowing that you're world championship material. Yeah, you have to 
being there, knowing that that's yours, you're right. gonna take it, and 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 there's nothing in the world that's gonna stop you from from doing that. And that's how I felt going into there. I was into that fight. I was like, this is mine. This is I, I've gone through the the pits of hell for me to ready myself for this fight, but this is mine. Okay, the, the, you said something that I want the, the listeners to hear and for that to resonate. The pits of hell, the price you pay, nothing just comes easy. You paid the price, there you were, family, lights, camera, action, knowing um, the burden had been lifted from the, the previous episode. Walk us through and from the time the bell went till the time you knocked him out. I, I told myself, okay, stick to the game plan. Just fill him out his round. See if we could, you know, um, do things you do you were doing in training. So everything that you train for, it kicks in into like high gear. Kicking or, or, or. It kicks in okay. into high gear. Um, you know, all the training, all the all the hours of 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 the sparring that you got yourself ready for is just everything just comes in and and just and, and like I said, kicks in into high gear. You know and. The moment I threw a combo and I saw him hurt and it went in for the kill, it was 10 seconds till the, I heard this. And, that and, sound. and, and in, it, when you play that back, does it feel like it's in slow motion or like, or, or does it feel like it's a blur? It was a blur. It was like a blur. And I threw a combination and the next thing I didn't know where he was. It was just to me, in my point of view, he just disappeared. <laughs> and, and he was lying on the canvas. And I looked down and he was on a canvas. Like he's flat, you know, his back was flat on the canvas. And you, you, did you know there and then that this guy's not getting up? The, uh, the, what I knew was when he tried getting up and he fell back down. Then it's game set. And match. it was like, this is done. He's done. And that's when they waved it off at that moment when I realized that, okay, okay he's done. They, the referee said, okay, this is done. And it was two minutes and 59 seconds. And it was okay. one second away from, from, you know, going to a second round, but, and I jumped up. Okay, mate, what a cool feeling. Yeah, I jumped up. I, I collapsed the ground. I was so happy. My cornerman just rushed. They bum rushed. You could see a young Freddie Roach in the corner, the biggest smile on his face. Is this something that the listeners can hear on, uh, see on YouTube? Yes, it is. You can see it on YouTube. <laughs> it's uh, Villorio versus Ortiz. Okay, so it's Villorio versus Ortiz. I want to make sure that people know it. Um, From the moment I, I walked in and hugged my uh, my former, uh, my uh, Ruben Contreras to yep. winning the world title. You can see this. It's, it's like 13 minute video. That pops up. When you knew that you, you were the champion of the world, was it a rush of emotions? Did you start bawling? Did you? Was he disbelieved? I was crying. I was yeah, screaming. I was ecstatic. I was. And I hit you there and then that you you have reached the ultimate zenith of success in your chosen sport. That's an un, that that you know that's something that that few and far between people on the planet can ever experience. That yeah, and just a few months ago, I was contemplating. I was going to say quitting the sport, but the I want to I want to really drive home this point. I'm sitting here with Brian Valoria, Valoria, who is four-time world champion, who was prepared to walk away from the sport because he's someone that cares about other people. He's someone who obviously has a heart and realizes that. The sport is about using your skill, your dexterity, your athletic prowess um, to prevail, but not to hurt and to derail another person's life. No, I had to take a life away. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's, it's what it's amazing, Brian. I mean, it's it's you know, everyone's like, "Yo, you're there trying to destroy a poem," but not to the point where you, you, you know, 
you mess up his life. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you mess you mess it that way. That's not the what the sport is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be their skill versus skill. You guys, two guys putting their skills up, you know, yeah. for you and well, making sure that you both go home to your loved ones at the end of the day. Uh, it's, it's, I can see that you're. <clears throat> there's more than than muscles. There's 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 heart and soul here. So just for the, our listeners' sake, and we can sort of mm-hmm. try and pull this together. Um, at the time you became world champion, you were married, you were single, you were, where, where were you in terms of your family? I, I was still, um, you know, I was, I had a girlfriend at that time, but I was, mm-hmm. you know, still, it was still new. Okay. Um, you know, I was 25 years old, everything was just revolving around my, yep. my boxing awesome. and, you know, I wasn't in a serious relationship or yep. anything. Um, um, you know, each championship had its own, had its own, um, <clears throat> Uh, context context has its own story behind it had its own um you know uh hurdles that I had to face you know like yeah, my yeah. second world title i wasn't supposed to win that one you know i was going to, i was a 22 to 1 underdog going into that fight and you know your second world champion was against um solis and and archie all, solis archie, all, all the hot, hot, you know full-time favorite full-time favorite he was just coming off a uh nine fit uh nine fight um defensive uh sure. so title he, defense he was on a roll he was uh six you know six years undefeated going to that fight um i was an underdog i was supposed to win i was coming off a a, a terrible loss winning uh, losing the world championship uh-huh. um everyone was writing me off in the book saying he's done you yeah. know um so i had to relocate from freddie roach's gym to roberto garcia's gym at that time I was located in oxnard sure. so i had to pull myself away from the comforts of my home to go train somewhere you know in in a place i wasn't really familiar with it's very tough um uh, you know i was staying in the room by myself i was training mm. up in the mountains by myself um you know with with the camp with with the just isolated i basically just icing myself i just eat breathe boxing at that time and Jeez. and so that was another sacrifice you know being away from at that time my um was my girlfriend but now is my wife so that you by the time you prevailed and won a second championship you were already seriously involved in relationship yes. with your now wife yes but so not I, my wife which means your the the time that you were the third the third championship and you were you you were married yes yes i, I tell you where i'm going with this how did it change if at all your mental state where you're fighting with your soulmate and your partner for life sitting in the ring next to you is it is it you're so in the zone that you could there could be no one around or are you aware of the fact that there's the the people that are the most beloved in your life are sitting uh you know a, a row or two behind and you don't want to disappoint of course that's always you know in the back of your head but you try not to let that distract you from the from sure. from you know what the task is at hand you know the task at hand um of course you know it's human nature yeah. you want to always make the Impressive. people that support that support you proud of you and um but i didn't want it to to you know to hold me back on on performing to uh, you know almost sometimes you're like okay am i doing the right things yeah, too yeah, much yeah. and you just worry about trying to please them now yeah, you know, yeah instead yeah. of doing yeah. what you need to do in order for you to win the fight for sure um you know, my wife is super supportive from the from the from the start. Your wife's American. She's from. She's uh, Filipino, also from Hawaii. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so we similar were, culture, similar background. She we have um, almost similar backgrounds. She's also on um, the same um, almost the same province. Uh, my family is from. So uh, we were friends. You know, her group, her best friends were were some of my classmates. Um, okay, so, so we, you know, we had a 
friendly relationship before we even got serious. Uh-huh. So that was um, when we got together and we finally um, got married. Um, we already, I already knew, you know, that it was somebody that, and it was also the person that helped keep my team in line, you know, that's great. Um, my management and my, my trainers and make sure that everything was running smoothly from fight to fight. And, you know, was almost like my personal assistant, like my personal secretary. So she's a nurse. So, you know, how uh, how evolved was she, you know, in your, your getting ready for a fight for, you know, in terms of your mental state or. Oh, she was very, you know, very instrumental in also preparing my food, you know? Yeah, sure. It's a huge component. It's a very big component. Very, very big. Um, making sure that I was mentally right, that all the, uh, our personal life distractions were limited or, or minimal. So, you know, um, you know, like my, my, my world championship fight where, where I unified the titles, I had to make sure that my, my son, you know, we had to sleep in the different rooms. So See, yeah. he wouldn't wake me up in it's the middle of the night. All of these small things that people are aware of. Yeah, these are little sacrifices uh, that sure. we had to do. And, you know, well, well, I had to prepare for a fight. You know, she, um, at that time, my son was just like four months old, was five months old, and she had to wake up every two hours. So she made sure that, you know, she, my son wasn't distracting me and waking me up in the middle of the night. So she also carried the, you so know, she carried, carried the, the torch, a lot of sacrifices. Yeah. So he, you know, she, there was a lot of sacrifices now, both on my part and her part. And together as a team, we had to make sure that, you know, we were all on on board. Amazing. And and make sure that, you know, everything was running smoothly so that I had, you know, the, the better chances of sure. winning the fight. So I'm, 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 I'm going to ask you just to wrap up uh, some questions, which I think the listeners will know where I'm going with this based on some of the themes we've had. And, uh, I guess the wrap up two questions are the following. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Brian, what do you think the Rocky movies have done for people? You're a boxer. You're a world renowned boxer. Most of mass pop culture knows boxing through the sequel successes Sylvester Stallone put together. Has that been a disservice to boxing? What do, what's your sense of, of what the Rocky? I think he humanizes the fighter. Tells them the backstory. That's a very interesting observation. Um, I think a lot of people just see these guys in the ring and sometimes sees them as superhuman. Gladiators. Gladiators that's just there and, 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 you know, beating it, beating each other up. But mm-hmm. I think it, the backstory, and that's why a lot of people gravitate towards Rockies because they know they could relate to this guy, his struggles that, you know, that we all have struggles. We all have struggles. There are problems that you yeah. have to go through, the hurdles that you have to jump over for them to prepare for a fight, um, down to how they prepare themselves. It, 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 it puts them behind the scenes, you know, like, um, like with Chris Van Heerden, for example. Yeah. You know, the backstory that he has. What an unbelievable life journey. You know, so when people realize that, uh, that story from each fighter, they understand the reason why they fight. This is why they fight. Um, they understand on a deeper sense who they are mm-hmm. other than being a fighter or being that athlete. Like yep. this is somebody's son, somebody's husband. Well put. You know, there's a, there's a whole story and a context and a backdrop exactly. to a person's life. Exactly. And so that's why a lot of people love the movie because they get to see Rocky's, you know, life outside of the ring. It's a brilliant observation, Brian. I'm telling you, it's a, I think it's a fantastic observation. Very true. And, and, he has a very loaded and tough question because I, 
one of the beautiful things about being hosting a podcast is you really get to know someone because it's um, generally not a superficial, it's a real discussion. How does it feel to have won a world championship in your chosen sport, not once, but four times, television, newspapers, and then you reach a point where you are now focused on other people's lives. Is there ever a time now where the the attention that you had as a world champion, you know, is now deflected on other people? Is there a feeling of, you know, wanting to recreate that? Is there an acceptance of now it's a new chapter of my life? Do you miss that? What does it feel like for you now? For me, I've already felt how it is, you know, to be a top. So I don't look for the uh, the recognition. What so, drives me now? So you're is, cool going into Starbucks, driving, and and if a guy doesn't recognize you, you're cool. With that. I'm good. I'm good. I felt, you know, all of that, you know, um, all the um, accolades, the that, all 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 that uh, that came with winning world titles and all that. But now, I get more of an appreciation now, or more of a a, the uplifting feeling when I see a fighter or when I meet somebody and I want to see the growth process. And I, I think I get up early in the morning and get excited for that now. Not the growth process for me in a sense, but to see my fighter break bad habits or learn how to do certain moves and do that and seeing the growth. And then you seeing him use it in competition and the things that you've been working on for days and days and days on end now being utilized in the fight. Yeah. So is it and I get up for that. And I'm like, this is this is how I feel when I was preparing myself for world championships. That's amazing. You no, know, for you know, for for the for the for the championships, for for the Olympics, for yeah. for the world titles. Now I have that feeling now of preparing my fighters. Um it's just it's it's a great feeling for me and I it's still, I still, I'm still in the sense being in the ring as yeah. a competitor, but now on that side of things. Sure. So you've definitely still in the sport and, and certainly in the spotlight. But yeah. So I want to say to firstly, thank you for your time, Brian. Brian Velour. Thank you for uh, having me, Anthony. You're a, a pleasure. You're a role model to many people. Um, there's someone that you're training that's close to my heart and that, and many of our listeners in Chris Van Hidden that we, sincerely hope and pray will re will be a world champion he will he will be i have no doubt in my head that he's gonna be a world champion again fantastic he's champion in life and he, now he has to just you know follow this road that is laid out for him and at the end of the road is gonna be uh, a pot of gold and i know that for a fact that he's gonna reach that championship well i can say as a friend of chris it makes me feel comforted and i feel uh, a sense of excitement knowing that you in his corner because now we've had a chance to meet you and i think that um it's a pleasure to meet someone who's not only a boxing champion but he's a champion in life you're a, you're a world you're a, a world-class guy brian and, and uh god willing our paths will continue to cross in uh our mutual friend with chris and in the journey of life thank you for being thank here. thank you for having me aloha guys aloha <laughs> thank you
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.